Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. Uh, you know, I had a nice day of watching some baseball yesterday because there was nothing else on. But, uh, you know, even if there was something else on, of course, you know, the baseball stays on on Sundays between, you know, 1 p.m. to uh, 10 p.m., whether it's Giants, Rockies on Sunday Night Baseball, whether it's Red Sox, Yankees, it doesn't matter. Uh, but yeah, I mean, baseball is still here. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's 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 stuck around. And you know, if you're wondering why my voice is is gone a little <laughs> bit, it's because you know I could not, you know, I just could not stop screaming at the television when the when the uh, Tigers were defeating the White Sox. I th- I th- I you know the White Sox are my division pick. Uh, for the AL Central, I still stand by that. I still think they they can do it, even if it's not mathematically possible. <laughs> so I was just screaming at the television, and I was definitely not uh, at Gillette Stadium yesterday enjoying the Patriots. Uh, almost, you know, get close, you know, moral victory for the Patriots. Shout out to them. Um, they they did not get blown out, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I know. Yeah. I know you were. I know you were losing your mind at Cole Reagan's throwing three straight wild pitches. Yeah. At the end of his outing. Yeah, I'm rooting for him to win the um from August on Cy Young. And he's not <laughs> he might he might be out of the running after that one. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, you know, you're trying to take like I know he's in a different league, but like, you know, you're you're a lefty, you're trying to take the crown from Blake Snell. Like, you yeah. know, he's he's the like the reigning August on Cy Young for like the last three seasons. Like, you know, I know that I know that it is a different league, but, you know, you got to put another name on the map. And Cole Reagan's is trying to do that. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So. So, yeah, you know, it it is we 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 do have to keep keep going with the baseball. Uh, Yeah, I know. I know everyone's talking about football today, but we're we're close to the playoffs here, which is very fun very fun um we have some news going on a little bit dry out there but there was a juicy juicy tweet that bob that bob nightingale was able to put out um you know you you always take things with this with a little bit of a grain of salt when you're talking about this individual but uh it hasn't really been completely refuted at all so that's pretty cool but uh apparently if the news is that if mike trout went to the angels and said, Hey, I want to be traded. The angels would be open to trading him. What were your thoughts on, uh, on this news? Yeah. So this was actually, uh, in an article that Nightingale wrote and he buried the lead in it. It was a, it was like a kind of like a notebook thing about like the diamondbacks and Christian Walker and various playoff stuff. And at the end was like, yeah, so also the angels, um, they might, they might be trading Mike Trout and that's kind of how it got picked up. So, you know, classic, classic Nightingale there, but, um, it's the first time in our lifetimes where we've looked at Mike Trout as something other than untouchable, right? I mean, you know, Mike Trout has been the future of the Angels for 11 seasons now since he's been in the big leagues. 
Uh, and he even still kind of looked, you know, he was still kind of the future of the Angels when he was an established name, like in the in the 2020s. Um, however, Shohei Otani is going to be leaving in, you know, a few months when he hits free agency. And, you know, I mean, I think the franchise, whether they have Shohei or not, is not in a position to win at any point in the next five years because they don't have a good farm system. Uh, and at the same time, a lot of that division looks like it's going to be good for a while, like, right? Like, you can never count the Astros out. The Mariners are setting themselves up very nicely. The Rangers are setting themselves up for success. Um, so the Angels are probably not going to be competitive, whether they have Trout or not, whether they have Otani or not, for the next five years, because they haven't been for the last five years, and it doesn't look like anything's changing. So, uh, you know, it's on Trout, it sounds like. It sounds like they're going to put the ball in his court if they want. You know, it sounds like it's a... If he wants, if he requests a trade, then then they'll look into doing it. But if he appears like he still wants to be there, they're obviously not going to trade him because, uh, you know, he's Mike Trout. But there are also, you know, various contract things as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, you you know it it yeah it is it is interesting to see him as you know an available asset to other teams now, considering how significant he has been to the Angels organization. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting to look at, especially considering his, you know, the trade value on him is, is the lowest it's ever been. Uh, you know, his, it, it seems, it seems like kind of a task to trade him, to be honest, for the, from the angels perspective, considering, yeah, like this is a guy who is, uh, how old is he? He is, uh, you know, going to be heading into his age 32. He's 32. So, yeah. He's going to, he's 32 right now you know, heading into his age 32 season next year. Um, and he has what, eight years left on that contract uh, at about 36 million. Still owed a half a, a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah. A quarter of a billion dollars. He is still owed. Yeah. So, you know, you got 250 plus million dollars left on the, on the contract. Um, so it, it, I don't even know what the angels really get out of this. Like it, they would have to in order to get any prospect capital they have to eat a lot of that contract and i'm sure you know i'm sure to to a degree ownership is willing to do that maybe to you know set up some sort of future for this team but it it it's going to be really hard for the angels if they do in, in fact have to do this yeah it's going to be really tough uh, no doubt about that but you know i think this the potential Mike Trout trade is for the Angels is going to be more about getting that contract off their hands than it is um than it is getting prospect capital. As crazy as that might sound. There's probably there's going to be a world where they do both because, you know, you're trading for Mike Trout. So like naturally you're going to have to give up a lot of talent to do so, even with taking on the thirty six million a year. Um I know that the uh you know the, the prophecy that everyone is trying to push, myself included, is Mike Trout going to the Phillies. Um, you know, he's, that's, uh, you know, where he, you know, he grew up in Jersey. He's a big Eagles fan. He'd be in the same outfield as Bryce Harper. He'd be on a team that is in win now mode. Um, and he's on a team that hasn't been shy to spend a lot of money over the last couple of years with, you know, with giving Trey Turner that contract, uh, with signing Nick Castellanos, with signing, uh, Kyle Schwarber. Um, so you know, it would not surprise me uh, if if the Phillies went out and did that. Right. Yeah. It, you know, it would be it would be something that I think 
the general baseball prospectus would would enjoy seeing um even if Trout is maybe a little bit past his prime, although that could change. I mean, he's really mm-hmm. only had one sort of off season with with this with this season being that year. Um, so he could very well just come back and continue to put up a 170, 180 OPS plus. Um, you know, once he gets once he gets healthy and whatnot. But yeah, even if he's hypothetically past his prime, people want to see him in action on a on a competitive baseball team in the playoffs because even him past his prime is still a really really good player uh you know this year he has a 130 ops plus um based on the based on what i'm seeing on stat cast he's also gotten a little bit unlucky so maybe that should be like a 140 ops plus and you know he's still providing decent defense not you know not the base dealer he was at the beginning of his career but he's still a good base runner as well uh he's still taking extra bases still has a decent uh sprint speed uh if i'm not mistaken so so yeah, like he's he's very valuable to whatever team is going to get him. It's just like at a at an extremely high cost. You know, it's going to be thirty six million dollars a year. So you're assuming, yeah, the Angels are gonna are gonna contribute to that uh, to to paying that off. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely curious to see to see how that goes. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, if the Phillies could do that. I mean, if you're if you're getting Trout, you're definitely going in the you're you're in the win now direction because you're not trying to get Trout for the, you know, fifth sixth year you're getting him. You you're, you're getting him for the first few years. So there's a there's a certain four words that you mentioned in that monologue there that we haven't talked about that is also a major factor of this and that's when he gets healthy. The reality is, it's more if he gets healthy because Mike Trout has not played a full season of baseball since 2018. That was Shohei Otani's rookie season. That was when I was still in high school and I'm a college graduate now. That was five years ago, right? And since then, we've seen, you know, an injury in September of 2019. We've seen a couple of brief things in 2020, but regardless, you know, that wasn't going to be a full season for anyone, no matter what. We saw a long-term injury in 2021 and we've, we saw injury that took him out for a couple of months in 2022. And we've seen long-term injuries this year. Uh, and it, it's something that you can't ignore because, you know, yes, it's Mike Trout. It's, you know, a future first ballot Hall of Famer. It's a guy that had the potential to be the greatest, you know, center fielder of all time uh, at one point. But there's a lot of risk that comes to it because, yes, you're paying a guy $36 million for his, you know, age 33 and up seasons or th- age 32 and up seasons when he hasn't been healthy in five years, you know, you're hoping to get, you know, you're hoping he can qualify for the batting title because he hasn't done that in forever. Um, so nothing is impossible there with, with whatever risks you're taking with Mike Trout. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He hasn't, he hasn't qualified for the batting title since 2019. Like, yeah, our, our, our freshman year of college. Um, he was two plate appearances away last year. Yeah. Yeah, two plate appearances away Which last so year. Stupid, unfortunate, but um, but yeah, and it's and it's been a lot of like stuff there, stuff that's not really like unlucky. Like I mean, this year that was a this this year's injury was a weird thing, a broken ha- hamate bone. It was on a swing. Uh, it was weird. I don't, you know I don't know what the preventative me- measures of that are, but mm-hmm. you know I think in twenty twenty one it was like a calf injury, you know, a, a muscle related injury, um last year was a muscle related injury it's not like he's you know getting hit on the hand and he had you know it's a broken hand for you know 
six weeks. It's, it's, you know, something to do with, you know, how, what, how his body is wired or something that he's not doing to stay, to stay healthy, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, you're, you're definitely taking a risk and that's why that's a lot of the reason why the angels are probably gonna have to eat a lot of, a lot of that contract because teams are not going to want to invest $36 million a year. And a guy who, as you mentioned, has not had a full season since 2018 has not qualified for a, a batting title uh, in, you know, four years now. Yeah. I mean, I think this trade, if it happens, is going to be a mix of, you know, contract negotiations and a small haul of prospects. I don't think the angels are going to get a crazy haul. You know, maybe they get a top 100 guy, maybe they get a top five organizational guy, but I think it's going to be one of those. And then maybe a couple throw-ins, um, you know, maybe it looks similar to like almost kind of like what the Mets got for uh, Serger, which that was a, a win for them. But, you know, it wasn't like a crazy haul of, you know, a large number of pieces that are going to be a part of the future. It's kind of one guy. Um, right. And, you know, no matter who that one guy is, it's not going to be Mike Trout. It's not going to be the guy that has a, you know, 1000 OPS for 12 seasons. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, a good example of how this has sort of happened before in a way, although um, you could argue that the player involved here is, is less valuable now than the player who was traded before, but the Giancarlo Stanton trade. That's what I was thinking as well. Um, where, yeah, the, the, there was like 10, I think 10 years left on the contract at the time um, or around there it was close to a decade of, of contract left with, you know, where Stanton was going to be paid about $30 million a year. And yeah, he gets traded to the Yankees and it's mostly just the Yankees pretty much signing Stanton to like a free agent contract, but, and also trading a very small haul of players. Like they traded Garrett Cooper in that who ended up being somewhat about, yeah, somewhat valuable and uh, traded Sterling Castro in that. And I, I don't know, a couple other players. But at the time, you know, there was no Marlins fans and there was definitely no one in the Marlins front office saying like, all right, we got Garrett Cooper. Like, this is the guy he's going to be playing first base for this many years. Like, that was not the expectation that anyone had. It was like, okay, we got this money off our hands. We can be a little more flexible now. And that was what it was. That's yeah, that's that's all it was. And yeah, for the Marlins, it's (laughs) it's worked out great. But um, but yeah, like uh, it'll it'll look more like that, like. It, it I'm not prepared for the takes of uh of when people you know quote unquote laugh at the angels being like they only got this like they didn't get they didn't get five top 100 organizational prospects yeah. it's like yeah if Mike Trout was being paid two million dollars a year yeah they should have gotten they should have gotten more but you're you're essentially <laughs> signing a free agent and letting go mm-hmm. like two of your prospects that aren't that high profile for this. They traded him to the Phillies and they didn't get Andrew Painter. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Mick Abel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not prepared for that, but we'll it's we'll have to we'll have to get prepared for that if whatever. and when that does happen. Um shifting over to like just the Angels perspective, I think if you're the Angels, you you kind of hope that he wants out because like Yeah, I, I don't even think you I don't even think you put it. I know I know they probably framed it, you know, to the media as, yeah, we'll do it if he wants it. I think I don't even see the purpose in going to him and letting him decide whether he stays or not. 
right yeah like uh you know i I don't think there's like a no trade clause on his contract or anything yeah i think if you're the angels you got to be honest with yourselves this is rebuild time like you're not going to win with the current core that you have uh in the next you know two to three years at least um there's no reason to keep mike trout here you know while he's in his in his 30s and he still has only played in you know three career playoff games yeah exactly and you're you're not going to succeed while Mike Trout is good. Like, yes. Well, Mike Trout is still good. Mm-hmm. Um, like, And that contract is going to keep looking worse and worse for them every year when they try to trade him. Exactly. So it's, like, just, it's, you just, know. it's just the wise move. Like they, they need a full organizational restart, Um, you know, just from the, just a complete teardown of, of some sort. And yeah, they, it kind of starts with trout like they're they're gonna have to let go of otani without getting anything out of that unfortunately except for you know a compensation pick which is lowered down because the because no one picked up randall grichik um (laughs) weird 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 tumble down effect there no they did i think they did technically get under the tax because they put uh they put max stassi on like the restricted list or whatever and because of that, they didn't they didn't have to pay him for like the last month of the season, and because of that, they got under. It's such a stupid, stupid thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good for the Angels there, but yeah, they're they're letting go of Otani there, and yeah, they could they could trade Trout and maybe get a couple like maybe not super impact, but some some players out of that, some some capital out of that, and then you know lose for four years and get developed draft picks. Uh, trade who trade whoever else is valuable in that time frame, and yeah, that's what that's what you got to do, and you got to hope that you have a good analytical department and good farm system development so that you can succeed a little sooner. Because yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough for the next four years, so might as well get Trout out of there because by the time you're good, Trout's gonna be like 36 and probably not yeah. as good or healthy uh, at that point. Yeah, you mentioned that, you know, his contract, his trade value has never been lower at this moment than it ever has been. But it's also probably never going to be this high again. Like, it's probably going, like, even if he performs next year, he comes back to peak form, he wins another MVP. It's his trade value is not going to go up by that much. Like, I really don't think it's going to. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a sort of linear down, you know, complete, it's, it's, it's going down by the minute and, so yeah, you you that's a that's a very good point. Is you kind of have to trade him now because you know people he still has the profile. He still has great numbers when he does play. You know, God forbid, God forbid next year happens. He's still on the team and his OPS plus dips below a hundred for whatever mm-hmm. reason, and he's also not healthy. Then you get nothing out of it. So yeah, you you, yeah. you really have to. And then um, at that point, and then at that point, you're pretty much stuck with that contract. You know, imagine if they traded to trade Anthony Rendon right now. Like we would probably be the same situation. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So so yeah, for the Angels, you have to hope that Trout wants out of there. And as you mentioned, you may just have to override that and just yes. do it. Yeah. <laughs> because because yeah, what's what's the point of having Trout around to get, you know, four extra wins above replacement and and put your uh put your team win total to 65 you know yeah, instead of 61 yeah no need to do that um yeah any, anything more on the uh anything more on the situation i mean i think for for what we know is that at this point i think we've pretty much covered all the bases i'm sure this is something we'll come back to in 
maybe as soon as October, like maybe, you know, talks start intensifying because I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they'll go to Mike Trout probably like the moment the season ends or he'll come to them or whatever, whatever happens. I don't know. Um, but, you know, when he signed that deal in 2019, like there was, I think, a lot of reason to believe that, you know, they were going to put themselves in, in a position to win the next five seasons and they just haven't. Yeah, for sure. And because a lot of people, like... a lot of people, a lot of people love to push like the, oh, he, you know, he signed himself up for this narrative, but, you know, they like the expectations were higher than this. Yeah. And, and also like in, in an MLB organization, you, you sign a 12 year deal and, and, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you're good for half of that. You, you, or you expect to be good for like half of that you expect that just naturally an organization is going to be good in a any time in a six year window, even if you're not good now, Mm -hmm. like, like I'm sure, I'm sure like within, by the time 2029 rolls around, like Mm -hmm. uh, who's in a, who's like a pretty irrelevant The Rockies, like the Rockies will at least get close to the playoffs one year or the pirates mm-hmm. will get like, especially, especially when you, especially, you know, in a situation where they had the two best players in the sport. Right, 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 right. So like you, yeah, you would expect that you'd at least get close just based on the, the, the way the MLB works. Like some guys are going to have career years, like things happen, things happen. Like, mm-hmm. um, like just look at the, uh, like the Rangers at the beginning of the year, like how good they were. Like they had guys that were having career years, like Jonah Heim and Adolis Garcia. Like yeah. sometimes the things just happen in baseball and just none of the positive things really happened uh, for the angels. So I can't, yeah, you can't really blame. If you look Trout at, there. if you look at their top organizational prospects from 2019, which was, you know, the year where Trout signed that deal, Joe Adele was the number 14 prospect in all of baseball. Uh, on MLB Pipeline, Griffin Canning was top 100. Brandon Marsh was, you know, up there. None of those guys worked out with the Angels. Uh, if you go back further to 2018, uh, you know, Shohei Otani was there, yes, but like, you know, Kevin Maiton was in their system. They were hoping he was going to look, you know, he was going to uh, be solid. That never really happened. 2020, it's probably similar to 2019, but like, you know, they had Jordan Adams who. Looked like a promising prospect, Jeremiah Jenkins, who they traded for Dominic Leone. Like they've had, they haven't really developed a guy in a while. Yeah, exactly. Like you look at, like the last, I don't know, or uh, like the the Angels' first round picks of the twenty tens. Like the best guy out of that was like Taylor Ward, I think. It was a lot of mm-hmm. it was a lot of flops, like consistently, consistently flopping. And it's not like they were in the late, late part of the round every single time. Like, you know, they were they had some top 15 picks in there. And, you know, Joe Adele was one of those guys. And he was very, very high profile when he came up. And just really there was no positive result out of that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's a thing. It's sort of the same conversation we had about the White Sox, where, yeah, there has to be some sort of some sort of look inside there. Um, I don't know if it's completely on like someone like Perry Manassian or, or if it's on like the farm director, the director of player development, like there has to be something. It's, part of it is on ownership because of how like there's that big article. A large chunk of it is on ownership. Arnie Moreno is one of the most hands-on owners in the game. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you see where that's got him, right? I mean, I like, you know, I stand by 
the things I've said about Perry Manassian on this show. I think he's a very good GM. I think he's done everything he's, he can in his tenure to put the Angels in a position to win. You know, you I, I make the joke every offseason where, you know, the Angels play the try not to believe in this team game. It's because Perry Manassian gets guys that, you know, look good and make them a better team than they were the previous year. And it just somehow never works. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, uh, and yeah, with, with ownership specifically, I know there was that big article like two years ago when the topic of minor league baseball was hot and like the treatment of players was hot. And it specifically highlighted the angels farm system and like the fact that, you know, their nutrition was like PB and J like, and they were just not, they were not, you know, built up to be great MLB athletes, unfortunately. And probably because the organization was a bit cheap on, on that front, particularly. Um, and, and just look, yeah, they, they just haven't really churned anybody out. And if they find someone they think is good, they immediately bring them up. Look, you know, IE Reed Detmers, Nolan Schwinnell and, and Zach. Yeah, Sean, well, uh, yeah. Sean, well, yeah, Noah, Sean, well, Reed Detmers and Zach Neto. Like they just brought him up immediately because they probably know how bad Ben Joyce you know. too. Yeah, Ben Joyce, they probably know how bad, you know, the system is and they're just going to mm-hmm. have better luck getting better at the major league level than at the double A AA and triple A levels. So, yeah, they, they they have to take a little bit of a look inside for for this potential rebuild. Um, Yeah, that's that's really all I got on that. Yeah, I, mean, I think a lot of organizations have caught on with the idea that if you draft a college player in the first round, it's not it wouldn't hurt them to just send them straight, basically straight to double A or like you know, within a couple months to double A, because I think, you know, the gap between like the low levels of the minor leagues and the power five conferences in college is pretty, is pretty close to being closed. If not, it already has been, but you know, you look at a lot of teams this year, you know, Paul Skeens is already in double A. Dylan Cruz is already in double A. Wyatt Langford, uh, Kyle Teal, you know, Nolan Shonowell obviously was there immediately. Like, I think a lot of organizations are catching up on the idea that, Hey, if you draft a stud out of college, you know, early in the draft, they're probably going to, you know, wipe the floor with, you know, single A pitchers and single A hitters. So like, just, you know, let them, let them figure out double A quickly and they could be on the major league roster within a year of being drafted. The angels were kind of first on that trend because, you know, they drafted Reed Detmers and I think Reed Detmers might've been out of high school, but you know, he took up around a year to get up there. Um, you know, they drafted Zach Neto, who is who is a college player, and brought him up the next year. They drafted Ben Joyce out of Tennessee. They drafted Nolan Shonowell out of college. You know, the Angels were first on that trend, but it doesn't really seem like it was for the best reasons. It was because, hey, we know if we keep these guys in our system, they're probably not going to get any better. So let's get them up there now. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And we've seen, yeah, time and time again, just guys not – no, really Reed Demers, by out. the way, not he was drafted out of Louisville, so yeah, yep. he was a college player. Yeah, yeah. So we 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 just seen time and time again, uh, you know, angels, angels, you know, high profile angels prospects not being able to pan out, uh, going through the system. Biggest example is Joe Adele because he was consi- like for a full year he was like a top five prospect and he came up and and was just not just did not uh really come through. Unfortunately, when I, was, uh, when I was in the Cape League this year, I had a thought where uh, I was at a game. I forget where, but I saw a scout with like an Angels polo on. And I was like, oh, I'm scouting the 2024 team. I see. <laughs> yeah, right. 
who's who's going to be playing you know who's going to be starting for us in june or not in june in august yeah let's see <laughs> yeah because that's yeah. that's how it is with them it's it seems to be so yeah um so yeah hopefully they trade mike trout um yeah it would be it would be good for everybody in in the in that situation um all right uh we could briefly talk about some big news that came out yesterday about uh, Jason Dominguez. This is kind of a bigger story because we've seen him in major league action and he's done really well so far. Um, and it was kind of like a ray of light for the Yankees who have had, you know, an extremely disappointing year this year. Uh, but yeah, he is going to be out for nine to 10 months with uh, UCL surgery as he tours UCL uh, has to get Tommy John you know, obviously different for position players than it is for uh, pitchers, and he's an outfielder. So, but his his defense is valuable. So you so they do really want him out on the field. Uh, what what did you what did you uh, take away from this news? Yeah. So I mean, here's the thing, very specifically with the Yankees. Um, if you're a position player and you get Tommy John surgery, you can't throw for a while, but you can hit. You know, after a period of time, because Bryce Harper. You know, is the is the recent example, right? He came back after like five months, um, which was like a record, and he was DHing for a while. Um, you know, like uh, there's been plenty of others as well, but you know, I think realistically, I think Dominguez can be back in the Yankees lineup by May ish, and then back in the outfield in like July August. The problem is, the Yankees have John Carlos Stanton. And that's their DH. And if they want to have Dominguez in the lineup, they're going to have to throw Stanton in the outfield. Uh, and that's going to create, you know, either a situation where Stanton is being paid X amount of money to be on the bench, or they're going to have to throw him in the outfield where he is beyond a negative defensively, especially, you know, on a Yankees team where they've been looking for stability in the outfield besides Aaron Judge for a while. You know, they thought they had it with Harrison Bader for a little bit and he didn't work out. They thought they had it with Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswaldo Cabrera coming into this year and he has not worked out uh, throughout this season. He had a big day yesterday with a broke of the no-hitter in the 11th inning, but, you know, this is going to create a problem specifically with the Yankees for a couple of months, but, you know, Either way, you know, it is good that this happened in September, so it'll probably minimize the amount of actual time he'll have to miss on the field. But, you know, it is going to create some talking points next year in May for the Yankees, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. We'll we'll, de we'll definitely find out a lot about what the Yankees are evaluating in their organization, Um, you know, if they would be willing to you know, take some plate appearances away from John Carlos Stanton. Like it's around that time where that becomes sort of acceptable. Like he's, you know, you, you kind of, you kind of took him on in his contract for the first like five years of that deal. And, you know, he's reaching his mid thirties right now. So taking away those plate appearances doesn't seem like the most absurd thing to do, but yeah, like still you're, you're paying him so much money. Um, and yeah, it, it depends how what what they think of Jason Dominguez as a as a pure hitter, because, yeah, mo his value is not only his hitting, it's his defense and especially his base running. He steals a lot of bases. Um, but yeah, his hitting so far has been amazing. He has a nine at 80 OPS this year is a 17 percent barrel rate this year. Um, it's it's you know, he, he's been really impressive, more impressive in that very, very small sample size, albeit, but more impressive than John Carlos Stanton so far this year. So, you know, we'll, 
we'll see what the Yankees organization really does think of of uh of this situation um when it comes time and it will definitely find out depending on how good they are next year because they think if they're really good you know if they're if they're good and they think they can make the playoffs and they think Dominguez is a a superior hitter then yeah they would they would definitely really want him out there um but yeah I mean as far as his actual value um yeah I mean it'll be great to have him as a full-time player um when it comes time and in mid in, in like july or august uh so it does suck for that but but yeah it'll be really interesting the conversations that they're going to be having behind closed doors so john carlos Stanton from 2024 through 27 is owed 118 million dollars from the yankees hear me out yeah. hear me out if they really wanted to be bold and if they really wanted to commit to the future it's it's a it's, it'll be a financial burden what if they released him? Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's... I mean, like he's, he's very like over the last couple of years, he's very clearly started showing signs is that he is not, you know, playing like a $32 million a year player. And I think that's kind of direction that we all saw this going when 2019 the first year that he missed a lot of time but i mean you know john carlos Stanton has a 95 uh, ops plus this year over the last two seasons very specifically he's hitting 206 with a 744 ops and yeah he does have 54 home runs but you know it takes a lot more than that to be a complete hitter in 2023 um do i think it'll happen no because it's again they'd have to pay him 118 million dollars up front uh, and that is a lot of money to do. But, you know, this is clearly, you know, I think this is a franchise that a lot of people agree has to transition what direction they're going in right now and commit to, you know, a new style of play. And, you know, they kind of did that with calling all of the young guys up together, you know, Pereira, uh, Austin Wells, Jason Dominguez, obviously Peraza starting to maybe give him more playing time. Oswaldo Cabrera is getting in the lineup a little more. John Carlos Stanton is, you know, a over the over the next four years supposed to be a one hundred eighteen million dollar DH. If Jason Dominguez is going to have to DH for a couple of months, you know, that's obviously going to mean Stanton is on the bench or he's in the outfield. And, you know, it's not it's not a good look for him to be in either place. So maybe the route is they they release him. Do I think? Like I said, do I think it'll happen? No. I think it's a really interesting conversation that could theoretically be had. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely not the craziest conversation to have, um, considering, yeah, over the last two years, he's basically been an average hitter as mm-hmm. as a guy who doesn't play defense. You you want your DH to be at least like 20% above average as an offensive player mm-hmm. to compensate for the fact that you're not fielding. And you could probably find that just on the open market. Like, I, like you know... Stan, like you, you don't want an average hitter there. Um, even like, yeah, someone like Kyle Schwarber has probably been more valuable than John Carlos Stanton this year. Like he, he's been on the open market before. Like obviously he's not going to be a free agent soon, but like someone of that nature, someone of that caliber. I don't know exactly what the free agent market looks like, but you know, you could find mm-hmm. a guy for like I don't know, fifteen million dollars a year who can put put up a one fifteen, one twenty OPS plus to to dh when dominguez doesn't have to dh um so so yeah like he 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 might just not be the most like valuable option to be a dh or you could rotate through that 
you know, when Dominguez is able to go back in the outfield, you could rotate through that, give guys days off, like give judge a day off from the outfield or Rizzo a day off from first base. Like, yeah, it's not the craziest conversation to have. Is Rizzo a free agent after this year? No, he's not. No, he's not. He's signed a two year deal. Yeah. Okay. So he's he's still there in 2024. Um, I was gonna say if yeah, if Anthony Rose is a free agent next year, I think he's beyond gone with how they handled his injury this year. But uh, you know, going back to Stanton, you know, I mentioned a 95 OPS plus this year. That's still a you know, a 18 point drop from the year before and a 23 point drop from the year prior. So his OPS plus has gone from 136 in 2021 to 95 in 2023. Who says it doesn't continue falling from here, right? Like, what if next year he's looking at, you know, an 87 OPS plus? Like, it's still going to be hard. It's going to get, you know, it, there's a very good chance it gets harder and harder to justify having him in the lineup. Yeah, exactly. And just having him on the on the 26 man, like, he could be, it could be a situation where he's just like a pinch hitter for lefty relievers, which is like, yeah. is that really worth just having him on the team yeah. at that point like yeah and the defined. issue you know the big the big issue at hand of course is that like i said starting next year he's owed 118 million dollars which if they release him they'd have to pay him all of that up front or defer the contract which i don't think they'd defer that or at least a lo- they wouldn't defer a large chunk of it at this point maybe they wait another year before doing it but i mean i think it's pretty clear that the John Carlos Stanton Yankees era is going to end at some point with him getting released. It might be 2024, might be 2025, 26. Maybe it's even 2027 if he, you know, scratches out a little more value, but I don't think it, I don't think he's going to make it to the last year of that deal at this point. Right. Yeah, it, it yeah, it's definitely interesting to look at it. Look at look at that perspective when thinking about this uh when thinking about this Domingo in, or Dominguez injury. Mm-hmm. Um Cause yeah, I mean, that's, that's a conversation they'll definitely have to have. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see, we'll definitely see where they're at. I mean, I'm sure most, at least like Yankees fans, if they were asked like, who do you want, who do you want in the lineup? Do you want Dominguez or do you want Stanton? I think everyone's answer immediately would be Dominguez based on what he's been able to do uh, the past couple of weeks. Even, even if Dominguez, you know, let's say he comes out the gate and struggles next year, there's still inherent value in the fact that he's 21 you know, a, a pretty touted prospect adjusting to major league pitching. Right. Because like, you know, I know that you looked at the eight games he played this year and, you know, he looked very good, you know, a 980 OPS, but you know, his batted ball metrics still prove that there's, you know, still show that there's room for improvement, right? He had a 47% ground ball rate this year. Uh, he had a very high home run to fly ball ratio, which is going to go down. Uh, he had a, you know, a negative three degree launch angle against fastballs and negative four degree launch angle against breaking balls you know like there is still very much he had a negative degree launch angle overall so there's still room for improvement with jason dominguez and as much time as he's getting next year like that's going to only help him even more yeah exactly like if you're if you're putting dominguez out there and he's struggling or you're putting stanton out there and he's struggling at least with dominguez you could be like he's getting he's getting valuable major league experience that he's going to use to get better whereas stanton it's like you can't really use that. He's like, he's going to be like, what, 34, 35 next year. You can't really use. Yeah. 34. Like you can't really use that with, with him. Whereas, yeah. Like, you know, you, I think everybody, yeah, every, every young major leaguer can uses the, the experience they have at the MLB level to get better. Um, 
Whereas, yeah, you can't really say that about a guy who's been in the league for 14 years now. And I think if you ask most Yankee fans, like, what they would rather have for 2024 between letting all the kids play and maybe letting them struggle and missing the playoffs again, or, you know, trying to go for it with, you know, like the judges, well, not the judge will be there regardless, but like, you know, with like the Stantons and like the various, you know, guys that they try to get and, you know, maybe making the playoffs and falling short. I still, I think the Yankee fans would rather have the kids play. Yeah. It, it would just be the, the smart decision. You know, they've developed somewhat of a decent farm system, uh, a, a, a decent array of, of young talent with guys like Peraza, Volpe, and, uh, and, and yeah, now Jason Dominguez. So you, you want to see those guys out there. They, they've, dipped into that a little bit with, you know, Volpe being their consistent starting shortstop. Um, and yeah, I mean, like based off, based off of this year, I could see why there isn't a crazy amount of hope for next year uh, as, as far as, you know, going far or going far in the playoffs. So, and they already have a high payroll. It, it's not going to go up by much. They're not going to, you know, completely redesign their team in the off season. They can't really do that. So yeah, why not? Why not throw some more young guys out there and let them let them learn? Were they over the luxury tax this season? Oh yeah, they definitely were. Yeah, they had. Yeah, to be. yeah. So I mean, adding to the the hypothetical Stan release, you know, what does it do a lot of harm to release him when you're already over the payroll when you're over already over the luxury tax anyway? Yeah, no. Like it... I think it's I think it's a lot easier to do when you're already over. Yeah, and and. Like, I guess this era of Yankees could be sort of compared to how we viewed them in the mid to late 2010s. Uh, you know, 2015, they they made the playoffs, yep. but they get they get scratched out in, in the wild card game. Uh, 2016, they don't make the playoffs. 2017 was like their early arrival where it was like, all right, we got these young guys coming up. They're going to be here a while. We got, you know, uh, Torres, who just came up. We got Judge in his rookie year. He's. He's doing great. Gary Sanchez. Um, Gary Sanchez. Luis yeah, Severino. Luis Severino. There were there was hope for a guy, you know, it ended up being bad, but like hope for a guy like Greg Bird. Um, mm. but it was like, yeah, we got the yeah, the, the baby bombers. Yeah, I forget. The, the, that was a thing. Um yep. so so this will be that installment of that. Like their window kind of closed of of that of that particular core. And now we're making a new core, including Judge. We'll have Judge in that mix. But uh but yeah, like it, it, you're kind of moving on from whatever philosophy they had the previous couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, Jason Dominguez will surely be a part of that. He's, you know, I think a lot of people were concerned on how far he fell in the prospect rankings, but still he was top 100 coming up and he's looked really good at the MLB level. So there's some hope out there for Yankees fans, especially with their young talent. Um, anything more before we get into players to highlight? Uh, no, I think that's kind of it. All right. Now we will get into our Monday, September 11th, 2023 edition of how about that? He's striking out less walking more, and he's also making better contact, turning into a strikeout machine just out of nowhere. He's been excellent all around this year. He is getting a how about that? So for my, how about that today? I'm I'm doing what needed to be done. I am crossing the final team off the list, uh, and I'm talking about a Philadelphia Philly. And I am talking about a rookie starter by the name of Christopher Sanchez. Now, if you look at his stats, 
you might not see anything too eye-popping. You might see like a low three ZRA, a high threes FIP, and no crazy run over the recent past. And you might be thinking, okay, he just did this guy to, to cross the team off the list. He wanted to, you know, not have to worry about it at all. But Christopher Sanchez is one of the most unique and exciting pitchers in baseball. Since he debuted in 2021, his pitch arsenal has consisted of a sinker, a changeup, and a slider each year. And since the start of 2022, all three of them have had very unique movement and they've all delivered results. So in so since the start of 2022, Christopher Sanchez has thrown 585 sinkers that had at least 25 inches of drop and 15 inches of glove side movement. That essentially means it's moving downward and moving horizontally at the same time. And it's very hard to have both of those in a sinker. Uh, 60% of his sinkers total, his, his total sinkers thrown had both of those metrics. And that is the fifth highest rate among the 76 pitchers that threw at least 750 sinkers total between the two seasons. Moving on to his changeup, which is perhaps his best pitch, he has thrown 303 changeups that have had at least 40 inches of drop and 15 inches of arm side movement. That is 61.2% of his total changeups and the second highest rates among the 162 pitchers with at least 300 total, 300 total changeups thrown. The only person that he trails on that list is Devin Williams. And when you're talking about any sort of changeup statistic, Devin Williams is going to be first every single time because he has by far the best changeup in baseball. Maybe Christopher Sanchez, based on movement, has the second best, uh, b based on volume and you know general movement, both horizontally and vertically. And also this year alone, opponents have had a negative 3.1 degree launch angle off of Sanchez's changeups, that is the fourth lowest among the 93 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls against their changeup. And moving on to his slider, since the start of 2022, he has thrown 130 sliders with at least 40 inches of drop and less than one inch of glove side movement, which essentially means that his slider uh, doesn't slide, but it has the slider grip. It spins on the same axis of a slider, but it moves like a sinker. So he has a sinking slider, essentially, that doesn't move horizontally, but it moves vertically despite having the same spin axis. And that is unique. It actually gets some results. And just to put it into context, again, 40 inches of drop, less than one inch of glove side movement, 33% of his total sliders thrown. That's the fifth highest rate among the 285 hitters with at least 300 total sliders thrown. And in that span, opponents have a 3.2 degree average launch angle against his slider and that is the fourth lowest among the 277 pitchers with at least 50 batted balls against their slider so he has a slider that gets sinker results uh, that's incredibly hard to do in this day and age and really at any point in time because sliders are usually popped up more than anything else. Uh, and between 2022 and 23, his slider and changeup have combined for a 63.8% ground ball rate, the second highest among the 249 pitchers with at least 100 batted balls against those two, only tra trailing Framber Valdez, who is the ground god. Uh, and Christopher Sanchez is right behind him there. So Christopher Sanchez is, in my mind, the one of the most exciting pitchers to watch, uh, purely based on pitch movement. Yeah, Christopher Sanchez. How about that? Yeah, very, very interesting. Just looking completely at pitch movement there and arsenal mm -hmm. so yeah it'll, it'll definitely be something to keep your eyes on if if he yeah, is listen, starting results results come and go but having the stuff to get those results that's kind of what counts at early stages of guys careers yes absolutely um so yeah it'll be interesting to like watch him develop and grow he's a young pitcher um 
who, yeah, I mean, he's got he's got the stuff. He's getting results on that stuff. And yeah, it'll probably get better over time. Um, my how about that? Um, I am going with a fairly long sample because, you know, not it just happened to be this way. But I figured, you know, the last uh, last couple episodes have done a 10 game span. I've done an 11 game span a little on the shorter end. So I'm talking about a starting pitcher and his last 14 slash 15 starts because some numbers are better in his last 14, some <laughs> are better in the last 15. But I'm talking about uh, someone who has become the ace of a team that didn't really have a starting pitching identity. Um, and I'm talking about Kyle Bradish, um, who actually like would be very justifiably on the MLB all underrated team um, because of how just consistent he's been and just not really getting uh you know he he's not getting a lot of recognition for it somewhat understandably so because a lot of the success is very recent but i'm talking about kyle bradish and in his last 14 starts he has a 242 era and 313 fip in 85 and two-thirds innings pitch and out of 62 qualifiers in this span bradish's era ranks fourth and his FIP ranks 11th. And out of 98 pitchers with 1,000 plus pitches thrown in the span, his expected slugging against and expected Woba against both rank 12th. Uh, so he's a, he's about top 15% in the uh, important expected metrics. Uh, along with that, uh, out of 62 qualifiers in Kyle Bradish's last 15 starts, his run prevention is better over his last 15 starts, uh, out of 62 qualifiers in that span, Kyle Bradish's ERA is the second lowest in baseball, uh, basically like half a season in which he has the second best ERA in baseball. Uh, in his first 12 starts, Kyle Bradish had a 21% strikeout rate. And in his last 14, he has a 28% strikeout rate. Uh, his ground ball rate has also gone from 43% before the span to 53% in this span. Uh, out of 65 pitchers with 200 plus batted balls against them in the span, his ground ball rate ranks eighth, uh, top 10 uh, ground ball getter over the last three months. Uh, along with that, his sweet spot rate against has gone from 38% before the span to 31%. And out of 65 pitchers, his sweet spot rate is the ninth lowest. So he is increasing his strikeouts and also uh, decreasing the, you know, decreasing the quality of contact that uh, hitters are having against him. And speaking of that, his barrel rate in this span is only 6%, uh, which is the 13th lowest out of 65, puts him in the top 20% in uh, in preventing barrels. So yeah, Kyle Bradish has just been consistently doing it for about three months and really become, he's going to be the game one starter of whatever Orioles series uh, is going to is gonna start the playoffs, like very clearly making himself the, the number one. Uh, you know, really... Uh, you would have you would think just based on his stuff he, that he would just be getting lucky in this span, but he has a 28% strikeout rate in his last uh, 14 starts, which is pretty incredible, incredible to think about. It, it's been a real turnover. You know, I, I know I watched him in person uh, in May of 2022 and it just looked horrible. He gave up like six runs, but now he's he's like an ace for the Orioles rotation. So shout out to him. Uh, he's getting a. And uh, now we will go from the highs to the lows. We're talking players and subjects that have been underperforming with our Monday, September 11th, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming Statistics.
He's been barreling up the ball way less. He's not missing bats. He's not getting the ball on the ground, and people are hitting it in the air more. It's been so bad. He is getting a... Slightly alarming. Yeah, so for my slightly alarming, we're going to look at a guy that's on a team that, you know, hasn't had a lot going right for them. Uh, but he especially has been kind of struggling lately. I'm looking at Eloy Jimenez from the Chicago White Sox. Um, since August 12th, he is slashing 227, 310, 333 for a 643 OPS, a 76 weighted runs created plus, and a minus 0.2 F4. Um, and in this span, he has a sweet spot rate of just 24.6%. That is the 13th lowest among the 198 hitters with at least 50 batted balls in this span. Uh, also in this span, 45.1% of his batted balls have been either negative 10 degrees or lower or 50 degrees or higher. Essentially, that means 45% of the time, he's either punching it straight into the ground or hitting it straight into the air with absolutely no hope of it being a home run. Uh, and that is the third highest rate on that same list of 198. Uh, so half of his batted balls have been basically nothing, have been basically a 0% chance of a hit uh, unless he hits it hard enough on a ground ball. Uh, and again, that is the third highest rate out of 198. Before the span, Eloy Jimenez's fly ball rate was 21.4%. And in this span, it is down to 13.1%. And that is the ninth lowest on the same list. And his average exit velocity on fly balls is 89 miles per hour. So that's not, you know, that's not going to be a home run. So a large portion of his batted balls have either been, you know, sharp ground balls or the ground pop-ups or uh, softly hit fly balls, which is not ideal. Uh, from 2019 to 21 also, Jimenez, uh, his sprint speed ranged from the 60 to 70th percentile in the league, which is fine for an outfielder. But in 2022 to 23, it's been in the 16th percentile and the 27th percentile. Um, in April of 2022, Eloy Jimenez suffered two separate injuries, one in his hamstring and one in his ankle. The hamstring one was actually while running to first base. And I think it's pretty clear that since then, his sprint speed just hasn't really recovered because at his age, you don't just naturally lose, you know, you don't lose your speed like that. Um, so whatever injury he has, it's pretty clearly been plaguing him on the bases for the last couple of years. And it's I think it's very concerning that we're seeing this from him at such an early age. Eloy Jimenez. Slightly alarming. Um, Yeah, very unfortunate, you know, part of part of the White Sox core and we've talked about the White Sox a lot um and yeah you you don't want to see him you know losing his athleticism in his mid 20s uh so yeah a very unfortunate yeah the the direct the direction of the ball that he's hitting it in is pretty alarming like the low sweet spot rate the extremely low fly ball rate for a, for such mm -hmm. a big power hitter yeah is pretty alarming so hopefully he can fix that for next season um my slightly alarming uh, is a subject and um i think at this point people talked about this subject like a lot um when aaron judge was out but now that he's back in the narrative isn't that huge but i'm talking about the yankees offense because they've been like the worst in baseball for the last month uh at least just on the surface uh yeah the yankees in their last 27 games are hitting 192 with a 650 OPS. Uh, and in this span, they have the third lowest slugging and the lowest average on base percentage and OPS in baseball in this span. And along with that, they have a 27.4% strikeout rate, which is the highest in baseball. So the, they have the 
lowest average on base percentage OPS and the highest strikeout percentage in baseball in the last 27 games uh, since since August 12th. So it's been about a month. Uh, along with that, the Yankees expected batting average ranks second lowest in baseball in the span. Uh, and yeah, a lot of the it, it's been partially, you know, their young talent that has not come through uh, and you know, it's not really on them. You know, they're, they're just getting started in the, in major league baseball, but should highlight them a little bit. Uh, Everson Pere- uh, Pereira, he is the sixth most played appearances on the team in this span. And he is hitting 150 with a 439 OPS and a 37% strikeout rate. Uh, Oswald Peraza, who's a big prospect that came up uh, last year and this year, he is the seventh, he has the seventh most played appearances on the team. Uh, in this span, and he's hitting 200 with a 492 OPS, zero home runs, and one walk. Uh, you know, that's zero home runs and one walk and over 60 plate appearances. And uh, along with that, Isaiah Kiner Falefa has really struggled. In, in the ninth most plate appearances on the team, he is hitting 196 with a 462 OPS, 28% strikeout rate, 2% walk rate, and also zero home runs. So uh, a big lack of power from some of their. Some of their guys, uh, you know, obviously high strikeout rates with them having the highest strikeout rate in the span. And yeah, um, part of the reason why they've just completely fell out of the playoff race. So Yankees offense is getting a slightly alarming. And uh, yeah, that'll do it for the players to highlight players and subjects to highlight. And now we will get into a preview of the week ahead um, as the playoff races continue to heat up uh i will be looking at the series to watch daniel will be looking at the day-by-day pitching matchups and as far as series to watch uh one to keep keep your eye on is twins rays who that'll be at uh that'll be at target field both are pretty securely in a playoff spot the twins have kind of already won the al central yeah um they're they're i think where are they at they're uh seven and a half up they they pretty much have a spot and the rays securely have a playoff spot but you know it'll be it'll be a fun one to watch rays are fighting for their own division spot um they're pretty close to the to the orioles there uh along with that we have the uh marlins and brewers which starts on tuesday um that'll be at uh That'll be at American Family Field. I still think Miller Park all the time, but it's at American <laughs> Family Field. Uh, that is a three-game set that starts on Tuesday. Uh, Brewers are trying to keep a hold of their NL Central spot. Marlins are a half game out in the wild card spot, so this is a big series for them. Going to be tough for them to go on the road and try to beat the Brewers. Uh, and then the premier series to watch is a four-game set that everyone should have their eyes on. It is the Blue Jays and the Rangers. They are fighting for the third wildcard spot in the American League. Uh, for both of them, or at least for the Blue Jays, the division is sort of out of question. Uh, Rangers are three game out of their division. So, you know, either way for the Rangers, this is big for them. They're two games behind. Uh, yeah, I believe two games behind uh, the... They're two games behind the uh, Blue Jays and now, or a game and a half behind the Blue Jays and now only a half game back at the Mariners. So both really fighting for a spot in the wild card um, and really need this series. So that is a, that is one to keep your eye on It's four games. So definitely look, look out for that. What do you have for the day by day pitching matchups? 
Chris, how could you not mention a four-game set between the Red Sox and Yankees? I mean, dude, it's it's the rivalry. It's it's Babe Ruth. It's the curse of the Bambino. It's it's Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, A-Rod, Derek Jeter. It's Pedro versus Don Zimmer. It's Tech versus A-Rod. Like, how, how could you not mention that series? Yeah, I don't know. I like there's going to be like three at least three fights. I mean, it's it's heating up. I mean, <laughs> it would be really funny if there was, by the way. This is I mean, this is maybe the most meaningless Red Sox Yankees series for both teams in our lifetimes. I just I just know like Brendan Bernardino is so tired of Everson Pereira's BS. He's had so <laughs> he's had enough of all the smack talk going on about the rivalry yeah, like, that went on in Worcester and Scranton. Yeah, he's had he's had none of he's having none of it. He's he's gonna hit him, you know. Get any any opportunity he gets, he's beating him. Yeah, it is extremely funny that this is the most meaningless Red Sox Yankees series I think in both of our lifetimes. Uh, they're both, you know, comfortably in third and fourth in their divisions. The Red Sox are like maybe kinda sorta hypothetically, if all things go right, maybe still in the playoff hunts. But that's yeah. about it. I actually because the, the Yankees can decrease their playoff odds from two percent to zero percent. So that's that's what's in it for them. Because because I was like looking at like I, I saw like a week ago, like, oh, the Red Sox and Yankees are playing, like this is very insignificant. I looked at the the last ticket time, prices. Oh. I, I the last time the Red Sox and Yankees both didn't make the playoffs was 2014. And I, I was like, when was the latest they played in 2014? And it was actually it was the last day. It was the last series. It was but, it was but Jeter's. The, but that yeah, that series had some meaning because it was Jeter's last. Yeah. So yeah, it's but probably also, it's yeah. probably the most meaningless, yeah, for sure. But this one has the bonus of they are the two worst teams in the division by a long by a long stretch. That's yes. Yeah, it's not even close. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> getting into the pitching matchups today on Monday, the first end of the uh the first leg of the Braves Phillies doubleheader is already kicked off, so I'll skip that one. But Michael Lorenzen will be pitching for the Phillies later today at 6:40 at Citizens Bank Park. Um, you will have Dane Dunning and Chris Bassett facing each other in Rangers Blue Jays at Rogers Center. Obviously, it's a big series kicking off today, as Chris mentioned. Jose Quintana will pitch for the Mets against the Diamondbacks uh, at home. That's a big series for Arizona. Um, Jesus Lazardo and Brandon Woodruff will face each other in Marlins Brewers, another big series that Chris talked about. Mason Miller will be making his return to the Oakland A's today against Framber Valdez and the Astros. That'll be in Houston. Jordan Wicks, who's looked pretty good in his, his first few outings, will be pitching for the Cubs in Coors against the Colorado Rockies. Reed Detmers and Logan Gilbert will face each other in Angels Mariners at T-Mobile Park. Alex Cobb will be pitching for the Giants against the Guardians um in san francisco and a matchup of the night comes from twins and rays at target field it's tyler glass now versus sunny gray yeah that's yeah glass now has been pretty dominant since he's come back from injury and gray gray is uh is the goat he's amazing uh so then in on Tuesday, uh, Adam Wainwright and John Means, who is making his return from Tommy John surgery, will be facing each other in uh, Orioles and Cardinals in uh, Oriole Park. Uh, like I mentioned, John Means will be going for uh, the first time since getting Tommy John surgery. Adam Wainwright will still be going for his 199th career win. Uh, I don't know. I think my take of just let him let him get the final out of the fifth inning in a blowout 
still stands, especially it's, since it's, he's facing the Orioles. It's aging fantastically, that take. Yeah. Like, I, it would really suck if he didn't get it. But I would also, you know, I know that he probably wants to get it by continuing. When was the last time he got a win? When was when was his 198th win? Yeah. It was on June 17th. It was on June 17th. And he's made how many starts since then? It'd be like he's made 11. He, okay. He's made 11 starts since then. The Cardinals are 1 in 10 in those starts, and he has a 1072 ERA and a 776 FIP. Opponents are hitting 387 with an 1120 OPS against him. Holy crap. That's crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, they just, they like, I want him to get his 200th win, but like, this is a terrible way to have it happen where he does. Cause like, at this point, there's completely good reason to believe he just simply will not get it if they keep him in the rotation. But yeah. like, oh my God. <laughs> just just let the guy live. Stop making him face these teams every like the season's over. Let someone else get the innings. Anyway, on Tuesday you will have Max Serger and Hunjin Ryu going in Rangers Blue Jays. Uh that's a fun matchup. You will have Joe Ryan pitching for the Twins against the Rays. Freddie Peralta will be going for the Brewers against the Marlins. Justin Verlander will be going for the Astros against the A's. Um, Patrick Sandoval and Brian Wu will face each other in Angels Mariners. Um, and then Michael Baca and Lance Lynn will face each other in Padres and Dodgers. And matchup of the night pretty comfortably comes from uh, Braves Phillies in Philly. It's Max Freed versus Zach Wheeler. Yeah, <laughs> those are like that's, two, that's the one. Two like top five pitchers in the NL. Yes, yeah, no doubt about that. Um, on Wednesday you will have Jamison Tyon going for the Cubs against the Rockies in Coors Field. Kyle Harrison, Logan Allen, a couple of young lefties will be going in Guardians Giants in San Francisco. Luis Castillo will be going for the Mariners against the Angels. Uh, you will have. Uh, Jordan Montgomery and Yusei Kikuchi going in Rangers Blue Jays. Zach Gallen will be going for the Diamondbacks against the Mets. He had a complete game shutout his last outing um, against the Cubs at Wrigley. Uh, Hunter Brown will be going for the Astros against the A's. Um, Braxton Garrett will be going for the uh, Marlins against the Brewers. Blake Snell will be going for the Padres against the Dodgers. And match for the night comes back to Braves Phillies. It is Spencer Strider. Versus my how about that, Christopher Sanchez. There we go. You got so high high powered fastball versus everything with movement. Yes, yes, indeed, yes, indeed. And for um, Thursday, I'll just go with matchup of the night. Nothing really is announced, but we'll go with Nathan Avaldi versus Kevin Gosman in Rangers Blue Jays. Yeah, both have been on my F four team this year. Evaldi. Mm-hmm was replaced after yes. after he got injured and i and kevin gosman has been fantastic gosman has been has been great I, re- I really lucked out in the starting pitching department with gosman and wheeler being my being two of them um yep yeah especially in the f4 department because like if it was a b-war league I'm, oh that'd be I'm, tough I, I wouldn't be leading that's that's for sure no um so yeah that does it for this installment of above replacement radio we're talking baseball kind of whatever so um so yeah if you are listening on an apple podcast 
or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens or uh, watch any digital content, uh, go to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. And yeah, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Look at all the features. Look at the playlist, baseball history series, guest interviews. We got 12 of them on there. Um, and they are mostly pretty timeless. Uh, good stuff all around over there. And uh, and yeah, and check out, you know, Hall of Fame season soon. So check out the. Yes, Bubble it is. Uh, check out the. Bubble I'm Case so excited. Um, I'm the only person that thinks about Hall of Fame season from like July to September. Yeah. Or even like really April through September or in fact, like February through October. Right. Yeah. January <laughs> but, through December. Yeah. January <laughs> it's, it's... through December. No, pe- people think about it when it's happening. Yeah. People think about like, it. A couple November. people like follow, you know, follow the tracker and then like people actually care about it like within the days coming up where they don't follow the tracker where it's I think Jones should get in there and it's like they don't realize that he has like 59% of the votes. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. if you're like Daniel and you think about the Hall of Fame, go to the YouTube channel. We'll get the playlist of all the bubble case breakdowns. Some of them are in the Hall of Fame now. Luckily, some Stop of them are rolling. completely off the ballot, uh, but some of them are still on the ballot. And if you want to get convinced on, you know, Bobby Abreu, Billy Wagner, um, Todd Helton, Andrew Jones, just check out that playlist on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, um, and yeah, follow us on social media. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next time where we'll be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>